you know, who am I, the good, the bad, the ugly, or all that? And what do I feel? And then the you matter is understanding our ability to impact other people with our actions and our words and our thoughts. And then the we matter is, you know, seeing this whole thing called life as a we thing and understanding that we're part of a bigger fabric of humanity and something bigger than just ourselves. So, you know, bringing that to, to our youth is it, pretty special, you know, and, and when you help a child understand and be able to say, hey, you know, I matter because of this um, or that, it, it's pretty powerful to hear because a lot of times our kids, even our, our adults, as adults, we think that we matter maybe for a lot of the wrong reasons, and once you help these kids reconnect to why they really matter, you know, their future is just set up for them. Yeah, that's incredible. So, in in terms of some of the things that you you do inside of the school, what kind of what kind of activity do you guys extend to the kids to kind of help them arrive at that point that they matter? Yeah. So, one of the things that we do at, at the kind of the core of every Monday matters is we ask people all the time. Like I can ask you right now, if you if there's one word you think we need more of in the world today, what would what would that word be? I gotta say hope. Hope. Okay, great. So we ask this question to everybody, to kids, to adults, to teachers, to to stay at home parents, to companies. And throughout the year we collect these words and at the end of every year we sit down as a team and we see which ones came up the most. And then from that list we pick twelve of them. And those twelve words become our monthly themes for the upcoming year. So every oh, no year way. Yeah, so every year we have 12 new monthly themes because people have told us that they need more of this in their lives. So already you know you're bringing ideas and concepts that matter and that are important to people. So then the question is how do you then help them engage in these ideas? So, you know, if you have, if, if you have a, an idea for, you know, Monday gets loving, let's say, and you start to think, well, what do we have to do to create more love in our lives? Well, we have to trust more. We have to make more right. time for it. We have to, be, you know, be more compassionate. We have to. So you start to look at these different ways and these different topics. You know, being mindful. You know, enjoy the now. You know, uh, feel your feelings more. Choose to be civil. So you think about these monthly themes, and then it's a matter of how do I help that these students or adults, frankly week to week can bring this into their lives. And so what we do for our schools is every week we create five lesson plans that teachers can download off our website completely for free. And yeah. they can then teach these lessons to their kids. And one of them is a kickoff activity just to understand like what this week is going to be all about. And one of them is a reflection activity. And then there's one I matter activity, one you matter activity, and one we matter activity as well. So the kids can learn these ideas of, let's say, trust through the lens of myself, other people, and the world as a whole, for example. And, and you know, our, our educators and teachers, they download the lessons, they teach them to their kids, and every week they have five new activities they can pick from. And with that program, we reach over 2 million students in 49 states and, I think, six countries now. Wow. So, Matt, from what I understand, you didn't start as this big social innovator that you used to be in the music industry. Can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about that? Kind of when things started to change for you? Yeah, that's a great pivot right there. Yeah, so, 
before all, you know, before every Monday matters, which was certainly never uh, an idea or a plan that I had for my life. I worked in the music industry. I started in artist management. The funny part is, is I got my master's in business at UCLA, and yeah. I went from getting my MBA from a top ten business school to managing a band, which is not the typical trajectory for young MBAs out there. And I started managing my best friend's band, and I just fell in love with it. I, I loved the artistry of it all, and and you know my goal was to make them the next you know you too, if you will, and. And then I was introduced to a gentleman named Robert Kardashian. And Robert was someone who I knew of because of the O.J. Simpson trial, but I, I just thought he was an attorney. But what I learned was he was actually a very special music executive. And really? he he had contracts. Yeah, he had contracts with all of these record labels, um, indie labels, major labels, to help market and promote their artists. I'll give you an example. You know, maybe you remember going to a movie and you would hear this music playing, like in the lobbies, in the theaters, in the bathrooms, like, you know, next on Movie Tunes, this artist is... <laughs> right. Like, like Robert Kardashian produced that program. And and so I met with him thinking that he could help me connect unsigned artists to labels since he had all the relationships to the labels and I had relationships to unsigned artists so we could be you know, a bit of a duo to help, you know, dreams come true. And Robert didn't like any of the bands I brought that day, but he liked me. And so he offered me a job as his senior vice president of his music marketing company. And so then my life went to this crazy place of working on projects for, you know, bands like U2 and Avril Lavigne and Usher and Tim McGraw and Black Eyed Peas and White Stripes and Keen and Snow Patrol. And you go down the list and, and, you know, that's when, you know, again, my life took another change because, you know, now you know, I'm from a small town in Central California. Now I'm working for some of the biggest artists, you know, on their projects in the world. And and right. what what happens for me, you know, because most people, if you heard the story thus far, you're thinking, you know, sweet. You know, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> right. You know, well, where's the problem? But what happens for me is that, you know, the lifestyle just kind of got the best of me. And... You know, I started drinking, you know, partying too much, you know, doing drugs. You know, you're going to after parties and after after parties and you're objectifying women and, you know, what you value, you know, success looks like. It's making tons of money and having a house on the hill and being on all the red carpets and the Grammys. And and all of a sudden, all of that stuff becomes what matters most to you. And, and that's how you define success as a person. And... You know, I'm, I'm not proud to say that, you know, I was pretty good at that stuff. And I thought that life was pretty grand until on Monday morning I woke up and I had a massive panic attack, which turned into chronic anxiety disorder and depression. And after that oh, Monday wow. morning, after that Monday morning, hence every Monday matters, my life would be forever changed. I guess, you know, one of one of my questions is, like, so you said you got to the point where you had an anxiety attack and, you know, you kind of realized that, that things were not quite right for you. What did you yeah. start doing to transform the way that you were thinking from who you used to be to who you are today? Hey, that, that's a great question. You know, um, 
In the beginning, honestly, in the beginning, uh, it was crisis management because my yeah. anxiety and depression were so bad. You know, I was having suicidal thoughts at times, and I just couldn't get this thing that had basically just taken over my body and my mind. I just couldn't get it to stop. And, and you know, I was lucky. I, I met an amazing therapist, and I joked. I call her my expensive friend. And I think everyone should have everyone should have at least one expensive friend. And you know, we we had to get to work, but the first part of the work was really just stopping the water from crashing onto the ship because the ship was sinking quickly, you know. And right. you know, so there was this kind of internal work that had to happen, and then eventually, you know, got to okay, let's look at our relationships and and which ones are healing or which ones are toxic and, you know, which ones are life-giving versus life-taking and, and kind of going through all of that kind of next ring around me and even, you know, my relationship with my family and who I love dearly and we've always gotten along, but, you know, how, what are ways that could that, you know, get better as well. And, and then about two years into the process, my therapist told me that she wanted to give my recovery a motto. And that motto was to live a life that wasn't about me. Hmm. And that's, that's profound. That's, it's profound. And that's really when it, everything shifted from Matt needs to feel better, what else can Matt do for himself to feel better, to also now Matt is actually focused on doing things for other people. And, and so every Saturday... Uh, I had to go do something that wasn't about me. You know, go pick up litter, go go read the elderly, paint over graffiti. You know, and it was this weekly dose of doing something not about myself that actually helped me find myself again and and completely changed the way I saw my life and everything that mattered. And 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 that became the inspiration for my first book eleven years ago which was called Every Monday Matters, 52 Ways to Make a Difference. And I, I don't even think you can buy it anymore. But that book and that concept of living life that wasn't about me was the final piece to my puzzle of healing. And if I reflect back on this, and, you know, it's funny because when I wrote the new book and then the sessions were I matter, you matter, we matter, and that's how we build all of our programming at Every Monday Matters as well, this idea of I matter, you matter, we matter, I never connected the dots, but I think that that's the exact program my therapist had me do. You know, at first it was, Matt, you gotta take care of yourself. You gotta stop, you know, stop this, this shit from sinking to, okay, and that's very I matter as to you matter of looking at my relationships and my, and, and how I am with other people around me, which is very you matter esque. And then the living a life that's not about you is very we matter esque. And, I think in some ways, unbeknownst to me, I actually just recreated my therapy uh, into a program or a company or a nonprofit now called Every Monday Matters, and we create programs that help people see exactly what my therapist helped me see. Yeah, how serendipitous for you to have that experience and, and realize how much it, it could apply to everybody's lives. It's everybody, you know, and, and again, I, as I said earlier, like, I believe that everybody wants to know they matter, you know, and they they want to feel loved and, and feel seen and heard, and 
they want to know their life has meaning and purpose and that they, they belong. And I think these are things, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now, and I'm yet to meet somebody who says, no, I, that stuff doesn't matter to me. Like, I've wanted, I've wanted that my whole life. Now, some of us have never found it, you know. You know, some of, the, some of us have made terrible decisions and got us in places we don't want to be, even in jail, right, or prison. And But it's not too late to still explore this stuff and to realize that a life of purpose can still be lived. And and I think that ultimately, you know, whether we're, whether we're kids in school or, you know, we're, we're guys like yourself or you're serving some time or you're a CEO of a company or whatever you, or whoever you are, it doesn't change this, 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 deep felt need like deep inside of us that we did place there it was already there that we want to know that our life matters and that's what I hope and try to help to bring to people is to connect to what that is for them and, um, obviously hey, yeah no yeah I'm, I'm really interested I, I you just brought up the, the prisons and, and how they kind of connect to Every Monday Matters as well. And I know that you're growing your field of impact, and you, you've been expanding past just the schools and the corporate levels, and one of your new ventures have to do with prisons. So how did you yeah. arrive at that at that point? <laughs> it's actually a funny story. I was asked to come up to Washington State, to Olympia, to do a keynote, for the Secretary of State was having a breakfast to kick off something called the Washington Combined Fund. And yeah. I was the, I was the hired keynote speaker. Um, unbeknownst to me, they filmed they they filmed that keynote and they ended up airing it on Washington Public Television. And I received a letter from an inmate at Stafford Creek saying that he his name's Chris, saying that he wished he would have known that he mattered because if he did, he he would have made a different choice. And he oh, wow. believed that this is something that could really benefit guys who were there and maybe in, in some way, you know, for the guys who are getting out, it, it might change the choices that they make once they're out and, and almost in a way to reduce the recidivism, recidivism rate you know, that are going on right now in our country. And he asked if I would come up to Stafford Creek to share my story there. He let me know that he only made like 50 bucks a week or something, so he'd have to go on a payment plan with me. <laughs> I decided just to surprise him. So I uh, contacted the Secretary of Office in Washington, and we arranged for me to go to Stafford Creek and speak to about 150 uh, gentlemen there and to bring Chris's letter with me and to surprise them with, with this message. And so, you know, it's got to seem like such a blur, but you know, that's the first time I'd ever been inside a prison or a correctional facility or jail, anything like that. So, And I had my wife with me as well, which was interesting. And what it, was you know, inside of the prison me. like? What was it like? Yeah, what was it like yeah. coming in? It, it was just, it was claustrophobic. I guess, and, you know, as you go down the halls, you know, and they have these kind of holding cells, right, where where they won't open the next door to the other one shut, and 
someone's watching over you, certainly making, you know, they can see every move you're making. And I guess, like, yeah. with every door you went through, you just felt like you were deeper and deeper into, you know, a hole. Or, like, if I even want to get out of here right now, I can't, you know. And it was, it was, I mean, I felt fine for me, I think, ultimately, but I had my wife with me, like I said, and, I was like, wow, what am I walking her, you know, into, and is that right for me to do this? And but I remember getting to the room where all the gentlemen were, and and they were all sitting at, at these chairs, and there was just this one lovely podium in front of all of them. And I'm like, oh man, like, what am I doing? And right, so I walked up, I walked up there, and and I had the letter with me from, from Chris, and I. I'm sure, you know, he was completely shocked. And then I, I could not have had a worse opening. I asked everybody, I saw my story, and I'm like, any UCLA fans here? <laughs> I'm in Washington State, and, like, you know, and no one raised their hand. I'm like, oh, that's a great question. And then I was like, yeah, and I played water polo at UCLA. Any, any of you guys ever played water polo? And no one raised their hand. I'm like, okay, this is not going well. <laughs> uh, but what was profound was I shared my story for, you know, for a while, and then, because I didn't know, I didn't have any intention when I showed up there other than to honor Chris's letter and and to show that that he mattered to me and that everyone there also mattered, and that's what I wanted to do, but then for some reason, at the end of it, I just suddenly said, you know what, Matt, let's open this up. Let's have a conversation. And so I asked this question, and, and in hindsight, I don't know if I would have done it again, but now I know that I would, is I asked them, do any of you feel like you matter here? And... It was tense. It was, there was a, a, it was tense. You know, you even kind of sensed in the staff that was there, they weren't really sure about the question either. And, yeah, it, it was a, it was, it, it just, it was, you know, it, was, it allowed a space for these men to really vent, right? And, and the first couple comments were, no, how in the hell do you think, how can we think we matter here? The only way we get attention is if we mess up. When we do anything good, yeah. when we follow the rules, like no one, no one gives us any attention. So why would we think that we matter? We matter to them if we, if we mess up. That's how we get attention. That's how we get seen and heard. And so one guy throws out that comment. Another guy throws out another comment. Another guy throws out another comment. Like, oh God, this is spiraling down really quickly. And then another guy stood up. He's like, wait a second, you guys. He's like, listen to us. Like, we act like we're, we're the victims here. And, and we have plenty of opportunities here inside of Stafford Creek to still create life of meaning and of purpose. Like, it's our choice. They can't take that choice away from us. It's our choice to, to, to see what we do with our time. You know, it's our choice to learn and to grow or not to. And all of a sudden, after he made that comment, the, the remaining, like, 30, 40 minutes was just so inspiring. It gives me goosebumps to this day because all of a sudden I saw a group of men who were taking full ownership and responsibility for their lives and for their actions and that that they didn't 
they didn't see, see or feel any sense of limit, but just of how far can we grow. And, you know, from a guy there who, who does the dog, you know, and the, the, the companion dog program, and they bring in dogs, and he cycles dogs through to people who are writing books, to, you know, writing music, to people who are becoming craftsmen. Like, all of a sudden, I was standing in front of a group of, of guys who were thriving, and they were taking ownership of their lives. But yes, it was behind these fences and these walls, but, but besides that, like, they were still, they were still charging. And that, at the end of that, it was very special, and I was done with my, my session with them. And then all of a sudden, these guys just started coming up to me and my wife and, and wanting to talk and, you know, yeah. wanted, to hug, wanted to hug. And, you know, that's where I met a gentleman named Matt, who's also at Catholic Creek. And, you know, now three years later, you know, Matt is one of my closest friends. And I talked to him on the phone weekly, and... I've learned so much from him. I have conversations with him that I, that I don't have with friends on the outside of Jackson Creek. And, and I, he's taught me to grow myself personally. And, you know, as much as I hope I inspired people that day I was there, I, I've also been inspired by him. And, you know, in my, in my mind, I've had so many, you know, preconceived notions and judgments and biases on, on people who are serving time, and, you know, those have changed dramatically from how I used to see it. And so now, next thing you know, I have this guy, you know, Matt, who's at Stafford Creek, and he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, let's bring every Monday matter event. And I'm like, yeah. I love it. Let's go, let's go. So, just the worst point of that right now. And I had a great uh, meeting with superintendent there, uh, a few weeks ago, and also with some of the program teams to say what could an Every Monday Matters program inside of Stafford Creek look like, and if we do it and it's successful, that we can then scale this to other facilities across the country. Um, so while Stafford, Stafford Creek would be that pilot program for us to, you know, kind of kick this thing around and, and make mistakes and, and, and try to hone it to be something that's super effective that we could then scale nationwide. That's incredible. That is, yeah. It's such a an interesting journey to hear you go from, you know, working with some of the biggest bands in the world to getting inside of yourself, inside of your own head, and really kind of looking at, you know, what what defines true happiness. And yeah. First, you're in in 49 states across the country and now you go into one prison and now you're talking about going into, you know, prisons across the country as well. And, you know, I, I kind of want to, I want to ask you, you touched on, on something and you're talking about what you used to think about prisoners and what you think about now. So in, in what ways do you, do you regard men incarcerated in, in prison? Like, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate you asking me to go there. You know, obviously, there's a lot of unique cases, right? And 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 every everyone is different, and everyone's story is is different and unique for sure. And you know, I, I have this part of me that I like to think that inherently we are all good, and 
even our president, I think somewhere in there, there is a good person. I don't know. So, so it's pretty far into there. And one of the one of the first things I learned was that I have this bias that if anyone was in prison, it's because they fucked up and they deserve it. Right. And so, go serve your time. And I'm and I'm not here to say that when people break the law or commit a crime, that they shouldn't serve time, right? I and and, and I don't think anyone who I I can't say anyone. I would imagine that a lot of people who have done something wrong, at some point in time, they have to accept the fact that yes, I did this, and yes, I do deserve what was handed me in terms of punishment. But what I learned about it was that 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 mistake that got that person incarcerated for so many people was was the, the last was the final mistake that there were a whole string of mistakes. And so what I learned was that a lot of the mistakes that were made that maybe got that person incarcerated, it, it wasn't the first mistake, but it, it was, it was the, you know, the last mistake, if you will, in that there are people that were born into this world based off a series of mistakes, and these people never had a chance from day one to to have a quote unquote normal life and 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 so you know we we are products of our parents and our parents' parents and so on and so on and so on and and not everyone you know is brought into this world in the same situation and so I had to, I grew a level of compassion and empathy for people who who like who am I who was born into an amazing family with amazing, loving, and supportive parents. And, and you know, uh, we don't have lack in terms that we're not rich, but we never have lack. Who am I to judge somebody who made a mistake when I don't even know their story? And and maybe maybe this was just a lashing out from all the mistakes. So I started actually then going to some juvenile halls, and I would ask these, these kids, I said, hey, man, um, are you eager to get out of here? And I, I started hearing, why would I want to get out of here? If I get out of here, I either go home and get beat up by my mom's boyfriend, or I'm homeless. Uh, or I get asked to run drugs for, for, for my dad. So here, I don't have to do any of that. I have food, I have a roof over my head, I have a bed to sleep in, and I'm safe. And so I started hearing this more and more and more, realizing that this idea that I had that that person messed up, they should serve time, and they they're fully responsible. That that that's not that's not the whole story, and and so it brought a lot more compassion and empathy into my life. And you know there are there are cases too that you know you know people who maybe had good lives but they still make the mistake. And and, and if that's the case, then then who am I to to see them anything other than a human being who, like all of us, has have made mistakes. You know, there have been several times throughout, you know, growing up, and I'm not afraid to be I mean, I've driven while after drinking. There's something, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so lucky to not have been arrested at any point in my life, and, and, and because I was just a kid, too, trying to figure out myself as well. And, and, and we didn't have the best decision-making mechanisms back then. And, and, 
so I started just saying, you know, who am I to judge that person? And and then, again, I can't say this for everybody, but as I've gotten to know and speak with more and more people inside of prison, there's a lot of people in there that have put in the hard work. They, they their, their self-awareness and their social awareness and their understanding of the importance of things that matter was very Shawshank Redemption-esque, right? They, they, they get this about themselves and, and Matt asked me this question one time. He said, hey Matt, when, um, you're, I'm, I'm 50 years old right now. And he said, Matt, when you were 30, were you a different person? And I'm like, oh my God, when I was 30? <laughs> Again, I'm a very different person. He's like, what about when, like, you, when you were 20 or 19? I'm like, is this like a whole new person? And he's like, yeah, same, same with us. Mm. And, and it's just, it's just really just hit me hard. And, you know, I mean, he's 39 now. He was 19 at the time. The difference between a 39 year old and a 19 year old, especially someone who is committed to put in the work and, and to be a better person is dramatic. And, and at what point in time are we going to, as a system, to really be honest with what are we trying to do here? And because there are clowns on the outside that I see every single day that I guarantee are not the person that matters right now. Um, and, and so it's... You know, when I joke with that, sometimes I say, hey, buddy, you know what? You're better off in there, trust me. Like, it's getting bad out here. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, he laughs about it, too. But, uh, yeah, so it was just, it, it, to answer your question in a very long way, I, the judgments that I had on this very blanket level just kind of completely vanished. And every single person I met, I, I wanted to just see them as, and know them as who they were and who I was meeting. And I will tell you that Chris wrote me a letter after I was there that day to thank me for it, for coming. And he said that I did one of the most profound things ever, <clears throat> which I didn't even realize I did, is that I introduced Chris to my wife. And after I introduced him to my wife, I turned away to talk to someone else. And I didn't watch over him as he talked to her. And it yeah. showed him that I that I trusted him, and 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 the truth is I did. I I didn't even think twice about it. Like I didn't know what his crime was. I didn't care. Like he wanted, I want. He wanted to, you know. He's the reason I was there. He wanted to meet my wife, and and I saw him just as another human being, and never second guessed it. And that to me was just again like if we just can get back to seeing each other, not because of these labels of things that we've done not because we're a criminal or a murderer or a rapist or whatever, not because we're a Democrat or a Republican, not because we're white or black or brown, you know, not because we're gay or straight or lesbian. We can just start to see the essence of people for who they are and, and connect to that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. Then we can truly change the world and we can change these systems that are just not, not doing what they should be doing to help people become better versions of themselves. And if, and if the system's not doing that, then what's the point of having it? You know, Matt, I really want to commend you because I I hear what you're saying, and I think you kind of, you really rose above the concept that 
you could change the world and you set to changing the world. And I, one of the things that I'm reflecting upon is something I heard Mother Teresa say is we all can't do great things, but we can do small things in a great way. That's it. That's it. And that's, and, and I'll tell you what, honest to God, that was my first thought when I wrote my first book because one of the things I didn't tell you was that picking up litter kind of became my Saturday thing. I loved going out Saturday mornings and picking up litter. And I used to have this thought that what if we all just picked up one, you know, that's 300 million pieces of trash picked up in the, in the, in the second. You know, what if we all did this? And it became the little things that mattered. And there's a quote, I think Margaret Mead said it, but it's, uh, I forget who said it, but it's like, if you never thought something small can make a huge difference, you've never been alone in a room with a mosquito. And I've always loved that quote because our small steps are, are what's going to change everything. You know, Matt, in our final 30 seconds, I just want to thank you and and really just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing Keep It Going. Um Absolutely. You know, keep keep living the big life, you know, and know that you matter, and and you you matter to a lot of people, and you won't hire many. Thank you, Matt. All right.